I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Liu. Joining me to uh, discuss the draft and other Raptors news items is a noted draft expert, Katie Heindel. Katie, how are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> I've been laughing because I'm, I'm not, but... I'm good, but it's nice to see you. Are you telling me you weren't uh, in Australia for the past year watching LaMelo Ball this whole time and understand every tendency he has? Is, 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 am I mistaken on this? Yeah, that's what I did actually since uh, the games The games all got suspended in March. I just took off jet-setting around. I was in the checking out the Euro League, the Australian uh, right. leagues, uh, you know, deep, deep in college basketball globally <laughs> definitely for sure you were <laughs> keeping a close eye on denny avia or any of these other <laughs> more like this um yeah no i mean realistically uh you know we, we will talk about the draft and katie you wrote a great piece um on complex uh, mm-hmm. where an unusual 2020 nba draft could give the raptors exactly what they need but before we do that we have to talk about fred and serge uh both of them obviously entering free agency Fred was recently on the uh, Old Man and the Three, the JJ Reddick podcast. Uh, first off, what are your thoughts on the Old Man and the Three just as a title? It's uh, certainly a choice. It's good. I like a literary reference. I feel like I've made that joke before. Um, okay. I'm curious if JJ came up with it or if his media partner did. But, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I think it's pretty funny. But I also think he's dating himself. And I don't know if he's a notorious three-point shooter. So it maybe is just like a clever play on words more than a reflection on JJ. Do you think he's read The Old Man in the Three? No. Or, or The Old Man in the Sea? Wow. In the sea. So you, no. you got me confused. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not that great. He's just No, a, it's pretty boring. <laughs> I was going to say, he's Sorry, just catching right. a fish for like 200, up, or 200 pages. And I'm just like, you're either going to get the fish or the fish is going to get you. I, I you know, just 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 hurry up and get to the point. Um, anyway, so Fred was on this podcast. Fred, by the way, a fantastic person to have on a podcast. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, it's just from day one. He's been uh, just a really good speaker, uh, has a lot of interesting things to say, has a real ability to tell the truth and be sort of open and, and, and straightforward, uh, which I think a lot of players sort of shy away from because they don't want to say the wrong thing. And because of that, you might necessarily interpret Fred one way or the other. So, you know, if you were, obviously, we're all fans of the Raptors and we all would like Fred to stay. Um, you know, Fred did give some points about how essentially he said he let the cat out of the bag and said, I'm trying to get paid. Right. He's 26 years old. He's trying to cash out. He's won a championship. He believes he can blossom even more in a lead role. And he wants his value to be reflected in salary, which does sound like, holy crap, Fred is just going to take any money and just go. Uh, But at the same time, he also added other things of like, look, you know, he's happy in Toronto. He's happy with this role. He doesn't need to be a guy who has a ball in his hands all the time. Um, You know, he mentioned that if he signed a four-year deal, that would eclipse Lowry's time here in Toronto. You know, it's a transition thing. 
and also he understands that he's not like a max salary kind of guy. So I, to me, it sounds pretty even. And I think he has a good idea of where he is in this market, but um, people are overreacting. Actually, let's just start here. What's your stance on the Fred situation? Um, are you feeling nervous uh, that he might leave? Um, are you worried he's going to cost too much? Like what, what's, where are you standing on Fred? Um, I'm not nervous. I feel like he's going to stay. Uh, I've always sort of felt that way. I think like everything he said is totally valid. And in terms of like a career arc is absolutely what he should be thinking about, like where he wants to eventually grow into a leader, like whether he's there yet, I don't necessarily think so. But I also think he's smart enough to realize that hence like a deal that would kind of neatly dovetail into Lowry's potentially stepping out of that role for Toronto. Um, and like that said, he's done his, I mean, he's done his only growth in the NBA Raptors, but he, I think he's also they've set him up for the best growth that he's had um, or could have had anywhere, honestly. And just kind of like built a very supportive core around him. That's like very complimentary to him as well as like any of his other teammates. So I don't know. I mean, as you and I were discussing before we started recording, it's not very surprising to hear that he wants to get paid. He has, money signs on his clothing on the <laughs> notorious brand bet on yourself yes. uh features heavily uh dice uh money bags i think mm-hmm. money signs sometimes so like yep. that's not a that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody mm-hmm. yeah I, I love how he told he was like talking to jj and he's like i don't think i've ever told anyone this but i'm gonna tell you guys i'm going after the bag and i was like <laughs> like bro <laughs> Everyone you could this, have right? screamed it louder, you know. Yeah. It's not quite Isaiah Thomas wearing uh Brinks trucks on his flip-flops, on his like <laughs> size 5 kids flip-flops, but um you know, it, it was pretty obvious. Uh yeah, I mean I don't think anything Fred said here necessarily deviates from anything else. I think we all understand that um he's a 26-year-old coming off a career year. He hasn't signed a big contract yet in his career. Um mm-hmm. He has accomplished quite a lot. He is one of the star for agents. Anybody in his position would uh, would would want that. And I think one thing he he mentioned that was important to him was he wants to feel valued in the salary that he re- receives, which I think is very natural. I think I think all of us kind of feel that same way. Um, and it's really just a question of how valuable Fred thinks he is versus how valuable um, the Raptors or even other teams think he is. To me, I think the Raptors have a pretty good sense of how good he is. I mean, he's been giving lots of opportunities because he's deserved it. I mean, he was one of the top three guys in minutes last year. Um, if the Raptors had a big three uh, for the past season, Fred was definitely one of the three. And, you know, I, I think the Raptors are going to retain him. Um, I'm not too worried as well. I, you know, if you're looking at the rest of the market, there was a talk that, like, you know, Atlanta might go after him or Phoenix might go after him, which did make sense. Those are two teams that could really use Fred. But those two teams seem to be out of the running. Um, Phoenix apparently going after Chris Paul. I mean, I kind of like that move actually for Phoenix. What about what do you, what do you think about that move? I like it. My idea was Chris Paul um, going back to the Clippers to fix that team. That's so messy. That's <laughs> so much it. mess. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't. Yeah, I don't mind the idea of him. It's just kind of like a more accelerated version of what I think that OKC young core could grow into, but like Phoenix is already doing it. They're kind of well on their way there. It's a little Mm -hmm. bit better, like kind of more deftly handled with like Devin Booker in the starring role too. So it makes sense. I don't know. He seems to love a dry climate. So yeah, more power (laughs) to him. (laughs) Why are you speaking about him like he's an amphibian or something? (laughs) I guess not a strictly not an amphibian. 
Um, um, more of like as a as a like a cowboy. Okay. Finding not a frog. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of as a basketball fit, set up as a as sort of a zoology. Um, no, I, I feel like. Um, that would actually work pretty well for for Chris Paul and the, and the Suns. I think it gives Chris another situation that he can elevate. As you mentioned, it is pretty similar to OKC, um, except you have a pick and roll partner in DeAndre Ayton, which is going to be great. Chris has always really thrived with a rim running setter beside yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. And even though Stephen Adams kind of does that, he doesn't really have the same like vertical threat that DeAndre can uh, possess. I mean, DeAndre is the first overall pick. Uh, and then, of course, you got you got Booker, who can he's learned how to play on or off the ball. That could be really deadly for them. Um, and I kind of like the the coaching staff. I mean, who's their coach? Monty Williams? Is Monty Williams their coach? Mm-hmm. Just want to guess. Yeah, it's Monty Williams. Um, but I mean, you know, Chris obviously has a tie in there as well, so that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's just a lot of money to 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 you know fork out to Chris. But so. The Phoenix situation, if they can actually pull that off, actually, I think that works really well uh, for Phoenix. So, But that does take Phoenix off the table as a potential destination for Fred. And then Atlanta is also discussed, but apparently Atlanta is now jumping into the Drew Holiday sweepstakes. Um, you know, Atlanta is openly shopping that number six pick in this draft. They're trying to get veteran help. And honestly, if you want a guard to pair beside Trey, Drew does a lot of what they essentially would have tried to get out of Fred. Uh, except that Giroux is actually much bigger than Fred. And defensively, you would think that extra size definitely matters against someone like Trey. So I don't know, man. I mean, I, I just – I feels like Fred's market is getting a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought he was going to stay in Toronto, but, yeah, I don't know. I think, like, it's a good point. Like, why would he – if this is going to be his big contract year and he wants to, like, you know, capitalize on that as he should, he should – he should also want to pick where he's going to have the most longevity and get the most out of contract. So if he goes to a team that's like in a bad market, that's like in the middle of a weird rebuild or like, doesn't really understand what its team identity is yet. That doesn't really work well for Fred, you know, like on his long-term career plan. So I think like at this moment where maybe it could, maybe he could get a slightly like, I don't know, maybe a lucrative deal could present itself, but is that actually the best for him? You know, in a league that's so much around timing um, and just like being prepared, sometimes it's also better to just say no and like stick with what you know and you know where you're going to have like continued opportunities and have had the best opportunities thus far. So I also think like, I'm sure he could have a lot of suitors. Like it's it's not a very, you know, lively draft. I mean, um, it is a lively draft, which we'll get to. But in terms of free agents, it's not that lively. So I think like it makes sense that a lot of teams have looked at him, whether or not they're serious. You know, that's like an entirely other thing. But let's not panic. Let's not freak out. I agree. But let's uh, let's stay calm on Fred. And also, I just Masai has a very long track record of um, mm-hmm. keeping players that had uh, his system has or his program has developed. Now, afterwards, they might get moved. Um, you know, that's something else that happens. But uh, Masai has a pretty good track record of retaining talent. So I expect Fred to be retained. And honestly, I, I think the Raptors see his value as well. I think, honestly, if you're reading it in terms of like, okay, why would Fred say all these things if he's already sort of agreed to a deal with the Raptors or anything like that? I, I think it's like anything else. Like, you know, um, until you actually see that contract, you're still going to feel um that you know you're still going to mentally distance and sort of keep that pressure on just a little bit until you physically see that paper regardless of what's said um and i don't think that's just 
you know, with NBA players, I think that's with most people at most jobs. It's just that if you're looking in that market, um, there's an anxiety that comes with uh, the whole process. Um, there's also a lot of anxiety right now with Serge Ibaka. Um, so six teams want Serge, aside from the Raptors. The teams are the Lakers, the Clippers, the Heat, the Mavericks, the Blazers, and the Celtics, uh, according to Sean Deveni of Forbes.com. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not surprised that people want surge. Are you surprised? It doesn't worry me too much. But does it worry you that, you know, essentially a, a fifth of the NBA wants Serge Ibaka? It doesn't worry me. If anything, it's like I'm, it makes me happy for Serge individually as a player because he did just have like he's coming off one of the best years of his career and like recent memory, certainly with the Raptors, you know, like he ran it at his game. He had it a three point shot. He just like became a much more competent clutch player and he like showed his like full kind of capabilities. I think when some people were expecting him to sort of like slacken off, right. On like what he could do and, and if he had anything left to like grow towards or like a ceiling or whatever, but I mean, it, I still don't feel that nervous about this because on a lot of these teams, like you've, You've done a lot of the math for us, which is great. But just like in terms of like the cap question and also just like the fit question, he just straight up does not fit with many of these teams at a glance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like he, I also think it signals very well towards the Raptors that, you know, he's every year that Serge has been a Raptor, he's like gotten consistently better. And he's like kind of grown, I think personally too, like he's, He's like really like invested in the city. His like multimedia empire is out of control. So there's like only, he can only go up from there, probably start a new show. Um, Definitely. (laughs) He was in Vogue this year and he did that all here. So I think like it's probably the best case scenario for him to stay as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I think it comes down to finances a little bit because I I think, you know, a lot of these other situations look pretty good too, right? Because if it's the Lakers, for example, they have a full $9.8 million mid-level exception to offer. Um, just the money is not necessarily great, but you know, they might say to Surge, look, we are the defending champions. We want to bring you in. You know, our we could win another ring. You could be in LA, the media capital. LeBron will come on how hungry are you and eat <laughs> frogs. <laughs> Le- come on. I, LeBron will come on. They'll eat something, something like, you know, Serge will do some taco, taco Tuesday. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Serge will be like, Hey, you, you know, you like, you, you like tacos and uh, deliver a very awkwardly uh, uh, made taco with, with salt and pepper. Um, you know, the Clippers, I, I mean, I, I guess that would really be heartbreaking if Serge was wearing a Clipper Jersey. I think mm-hmm. obviously the Clippers need bigs. Um, even more heartbreaking would be like the heat or the Celtics. <laughs> that just feels really disgusting to me. The like, heat don't feel as disgusting as the Celtics do to me, but yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I, again, these are all good teams that are after him and rightfully so. I mean, Sarge is a guy who can definitely contribute one of the best bench guys in the league. However, if you just look at the finances of most of these teams, they don't have anything more than the mid-level exception to offer. The heat have more cap room um, than most uh, in this list, uh, but they have Dragic to take care of, uh, Jay Crowder to take care of, Bam might get an extension. Mm-hmm. If they sign Surge to a multi-year deal, it's the same thing as the Raptors. They might take themselves out of the Giannis uh, pursuit. Um, so that's not great for them. The Mavericks essentially pretty much only have the mid-level. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. has like an $18 million player option that I'm pretty sure he'll pick up. 
Uh, the Clippers only have a mid-level. The Celtics, if Gordon Hayward opts in to $34 million, which, of course, he will, then, again, they have the mid-level worth nine point eight. Blazers have some free agents as well. They probably only have the mid-level to, to deal with as well. So if the Raptors, um, you know, if they offer him more than the mid-level and maybe substantially more, if it's a one-year balloon payment of like $20 million, then you're offering twice the money to stay in Toronto for the year. Um, that just makes a little bit too much sense for me. You know, it's not like Serge is trying to escape a situation here. Um, yes, I do see the advantage of trying to chase a ring elsewhere and things like that, but um, the Raptors have full bird rights. And in this in this case, they can offer him much more money. So that's why I'm not too worried, but... If if Serge did go somewhere else, and you know we are obviously very thankful to Serge for all the content and all the championships that he brought and all the wins. Uh, if if Serge had to leave, where would you be happiest to see Serge on? Outside of honestly, Toronto? I don't mind Miami. He already had, like lives there part time. Um, I okay. think like he could be a fit on that team. I think he might get more annoyed with uh, some of the younger guys on that. <laughs> lineup Mm -hmm. um they just seem like a little bit bratty for Serge's tastes but otherwise like I don't know the Lakers like right like I could sit but then I don't like the idea that he's coming in like if they're going to ditch Dwight Howard like is he coming in as like a replacement there Uh, it just doesn't feel quite right to me um and he doesn't strike me as like a ring chaser but whatever I, I don't know I think the heat probably if I had to pick one the rest are like, as you said, pretty either heartbreaking or disgusting. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, you know what? If he goes to the heat and they, they that somehow takes him out of the Giannis sweepstakes, I wouldn't hate that. But just for Serge personally, I mean, if, if he left to the Lakers to chase the ring, I, I, I get it and I would feel happy for him. Um, but again, it's just such a big discount to take. And also, like, mm-hmm. you know, is he even going to – I don't even know if – he closes games. That's the thing. Cause they're probably best with LeBron on the four uh, AD at the five. They played a little Markeith Morris. Like, does he really want to go there to take Markeith Morris's role? Like it doesn't really feel like the best use of Serge Ibaka. No, so. no. Yeah. So then, and then, you know, he's going to have to get like Alice Caruso and how hungry are you? And there's already way too much Alice yeah, Caruso hype as it is. Pool, his guest pool is pretty bleak out there. I mean, he's already had Danny on, so we can't do a repeat. And then just personality wise, like yeah. you're not working with such great, such great guests from the Lakers. How hungry are you with Quinn Cook? You're not watching that? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. A vet class with Jared Dudley. I mean, I might watch that. <laughs> yeah. I like Jared. He, he's a good, t- he's a good talker. Um, but look, look, hopefully, look, the Raptors are, I would say the Raptors are still in the driver's seat with both Fred and Serge. Mm-hmm. I think, especially with Serge, the market is just not going to offer him too much more. And people are like, okay, you know, the Lakers might be willing to offer a multi-year deal. I'm th- if I'm Serge, I'm thinking, this is a one-year blip. Um, I don't want to lock in a, a multi-year deal at $10 million a year. I'd rather sign for 20 this year and then go back into free agency. I could pro- he could get the mid-level exception next year, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. That's yeah, I was really gonna say like with all those teams, with all the teams that are gonna opt for Giannis next year, and inevitably only one team can get him, mm-hmm. there's gonna be a lot of room that was saved. So like for someone like Serge, that could bode really well if he also comes into free agency then and has just had this like beautiful paycheck and like one year to yeah. like really think on what he wants to do next. Yeah, and he's comfortable here. He's chill. Mm-hmm. And if and if Mark doesn't resign, um, 
or if the Raptors choose not to re-sign Mark, then Serge has a starting spot with guys that he's comfortable and he knows how to play around. So, uh, you know, and of course, a huge fan base that is very, very supportive of Serge. So, Serge, Fred, please stay. Raptors, please offer the money. Uh, I, As I mentioned in the previous episode on Monday, uh, the, the, you know, backup point guard, um, or backup center options in free agency are pretty bad. So unless you want to see Matthew Dellavedova running a pick and roll with Bismack Biombo, um, <laughs> let's make sure we keep Fred and Serge. Um, so the draft nightmare. It, yeah, that, the draft. <laughs> yeah, I know you're just you're disgusted <laughs> by the the thought of Matthew Dellavedova trying to break down the the point of oh. attack, then throwing oh. a lob. Bismack not catching the lob to turn over. His angry little face. Matthew Delville was wearing peak sneakers, his signature <laughs> peak sneakers. Oh, let's stop. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty bad. More hopeful. It, it's pretty bad. It, you know, uh, yeah. I can't play at one point Kyle Lowry used to wear peak sneakers. Uh, that was that was a tough time. But uh, can't picture it. My, it's like my brain's blanked out for my own protection. Yeah, no, that's that's very good. That's very good. Um, yeah, at the time, I think because of Yao Ming, like every single Rocket player had a Chinese shoe endorsement, except for I think T Mac. I think T Mac was still Adidas, but everyone else was like leaning peak, whatever Clay Thompson's wearing, Antas, something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the 2020 draft is <laughs> next week. <laughs> you wrote a great piece about this. <laughs> Um, yeah, you, you wrote a great piece about this. Uh, you're welcome. Um, and you know, I, I, it was a great piece because you kind of covered a, in the first half of the story, you covered just how strange this draft process is. Obviously the circumstances we live in a quote unquote unprecedented time in these uncertain, uh, circumstances or whatever the business term is for this time, uh, where people are, 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 you know, suffering. Uh, and then you also listed six potential players that the Raptors could be looking at um, with the 29th pick. Let's start actually just first off on how strange this draft is. My question is on a scale of one to 10, how weird is this draft in comparison to other drafts? 10 being like uh, Gerald Green blowing out the candle on the on the hoop level weird. And one being, I don't know, just I don't know, just a regular dunk. I guess we have different comparisons for weird though, because I love that dunk. <laughs> no, but that is the weirdest dunk though. No other it's dunk true. has involved flame. <laughs> it's true. Um, you know what? Like I have to say, I first thought, I think some parts of it are still quite weird, especially now when you consider a lot of like guys that are playing in Europe, they're already playing, like their seasons have started um, as they like wait for the draft. So that's like never happened before. But the more I kind of chatted with, like Raptors uh, personnel for this story and just like what they've been doing. It sounds like the, for them, at least the more, the more time that they've had is just like had them given afforded them more opportunity to like much better prepare for the draft. Like mm-hmm. they have like very like intense dossiers and information. I mean, and then on the draft side, when you think about it, like, it's probably extremely weird for any draftee, but then again, they've also been just like what, like working out straight and just probably like trying to improve. Granted, there are some questions of like who has access to a gym and equipment and who doesn't. Not everybody would have the same ass, but considering that all of them have probably been working on things that they've talked about in pre-draft interviews that they could stand to improve, they're all probably much better 
or like in a better shape to start playing than I'd say any other draft class before them. So there's definitely ups and downs. I think it's weird that like you probably haven't seen, even if you're a scout on the road, you probably haven't seen a lot of these guys in full on, like you've seen them in scrums, but you maybe haven't seen them in like full on heated competition Mm -hmm. since the spring. So that's sort of, that is weird. Um, But it also like, if I learn anything from this story that like, you can deal with weird, just like overly prepared, which is what the Raptors like motto has always been before this year. Yeah. um, It it, apparently by some estimates, like some of them have watched like pretty much everyone in the front office has watched like entire seasons worth of film on most of these guys, (laughs) which I I, I don't imagine is the case most times. Um, Now there are some trade-offs I think, you know, not being able to physically visit the the prospects. I think maybe some of them, I think um, because the Raptors have essentially moved their draft, um, a lot of their drafts uh, people to the West coast, you know, there's a, you know, a lot of athletes that are training in Las Vegas. There's a lot of athletes training in mm-hmm. uh, the Phoenix area. There's obviously a lot in LA as well. So um, maybe there has been some um, face-to-face contact that, uh, Maybe it just isn't published or publicized because A, the draft is kind of secretive and B, you know, maybe it's not a great look during COVID that uh, you're setting up these looks. Um, But, you know, that is kind of different. You're not necessarily getting them to compete, you know, one-on-one. You're not coming to to visit your facilities, you know, or, you know, secret workouts. I mean, the story a couple of years ago was that, you know, the Raptors wanted to work out Yaka Pertl in the 2017 draft. They had the ninth pick. Uh, and then they just had this other guy who was just uh, just whipping um, Jakob up and down the court. And that guy was Pascal Siakam. And they were like, wow, this guy is pretty damn good as well. And he just happened to be at this workout and he's working our, our lottery pick here. And of course, you know, Pascal has now become a star. Um, mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you do miss some of those things. But I, I do think there's, I, I don't know, I, I do trust the Raptors in the sense that like, um, they're a flexible organization. And really, the timing of this matters too, because if you're one of these organizations that's less organized um, and you're trying to play catch up, you're probably going to try to do a lot of your homework last second at the NCAA tournament, uh, at the NIT tournament. And of course, that got axed because of uh, COVID 19. But if you are more on top of things, like the Raptors, they probably followed these guys for three to four years before even this season itself. So they have a huge database of what to go off of. Um, and they've been on top of things from from day one, so I'm, I'm still expecting a pretty damn good pick at 29. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. One one of the like to kind of expand on your point, like one of the things that they did mention was lost was obviously like guys getting to come to the city. Like if you're normally flying mm-hmm. out like 40 to 60 prospects to the city, and you get to see them kind of interact with like not just your coaching and immediate team staff, but like everybody who kind of makes up that ecosystem yeah. to get a sense of their cultural fit, which obviously like with the Raptors is super important, but their counterpoint to that was like, they're at a point now where they have a pretty firm and understood identity as a franchise. So they're going into this and they don't necessarily need those meetings as much as maybe they did, you know, two or three years ago, they can kind of get a glance of an eye and get a sense of his personality. And they think, you know, this guy would fit, this guy wouldn't, Um, but they know themselves by now. Like they'd made the comparison to the Spurs when they were kind of like deep, deep in their like gold standard years of drafting. Um, and it was like kind of known what it, what it was said if you were, if you were going to play for the Spurs, like that was like a very cut and dry system. Um, not to say that the Raptors are as like <laughs> straightforward 
like, and kind of like, I don't, I'm trying not to think of mean words to describe the Spurs. Um, <laughs> anyway, but like the, 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 the Raptors like understand, they understand who they are right now as a team and as a franchise and they know who's going to fit into that. So where, whereas like that, I thought that was an interesting loss, just like thinking about that personality gauge that's, that's lost when you can't actually have these face-to-face interactions, guys can't come into Canada because of border restrictions you are actually able to make up for that in other ways. Right. And again, it wouldn't surprise me if there were there was more face-to-face interaction than uh, it just gets out there. I just don't think anyone wants to mm-hmm. put it out there so much. Like, hey, we're, we're seeing all these prospects. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm sure the NBA teams... Well, they've got like, yeah, they've got team staff like in all the places that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them like called from a secret location on the road, which I'm guessing was just like Vegas or LA. <laughs> I love that. He, I love, yeah. Um, uh, head, director of Global Scouting, Patrick Allen Bright. He, he did this, the media Zoom call with uh, just the, the OVO Center as his background. I loved that. But and, someone fell for it. Who yes, fell Mike, for Mike, it? I think Michael Grange was like, oh, oh, you're at OVO. And he's like, yeah. no, Michael, it's a, yes. it's, it's a virtual background. He's like, it's a joke. And then he felt so bad. <laughs> like, oh, no, joke. <laughs> I was uh, losing. <laughs> Uh, I wonder if Grange watches like TikToks. You know how t- on a lot of these TikToks they have the green screen in the back. Like he's just like, oh my god, you're no, shooting from inside a tweet. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> what one point you made also about this draft is that you know the Raptors, if you were looking at it in terms of positionally and all things being equal, there is you know a, an issue with fit in terms of size. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. I don't think the Raptors necessarily are going to draft specifically on need um, with the 29th pick. And I think they'll probably take the best player available, but you know, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't mind if the Raptors got a pick, you know, just to look at in terms of development and, and the pipeline of the talent that's there. Mm-hmm. They don't really have a long-term solution as a big man. And there are some decent bigs that you can probably get, uh, you know, late, very, very late in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what struck me most like looking at, like looking at who's up in the draft is like, there aren't that many just like straight up like traditional bigs. Like everybody has kind of had to add like these sort of stretch skills um, to their roster, which because I think as a league, as the league claims to be moving towards like positionless play and more versatility, that's pretty necessary. And I think the Raptors are a team that actually are moving towards that as much as they can. Um, But I think that what struck me is just like, you know, if you're looking at, Worst case scenario, if you're looking at like Ibaka, Gasol, Boucher all leave, the Raptors are a pretty small team. And like the Lakers were really able to capitalize on their size like throughout every round um, of the playoffs and just kind of play bully ball. And it didn't even slow them down. Like they're big in a very, they're not big in a slow way. So I think the Raptors would have to look at adding some like long-term size. Um, But then I thought like, to me, what's most interesting just in terms of like, yeah, like I love, obviously love Pascal's growth and, you know, um, what he's been able to kind of like accomplish, but OG was like the real breakout. I think we talked about this, but like OG was the breakout star for me Mm -hmm. this season. And just in terms of like a player who does that stretch and versatility and like the team is really trying to dig in deep with that and, and like explore what he's capable of. Like I look at him as someone who could be sort of a blueprint and like what is essentially just like, the draft is just like a crapshoot. Like it's no one knows who's going to be available when yeah. there's like, there's like, so there's like, I don't know how many guys they potentially 
have it narrowed down to is still just like, you know, guys in the double digit numbers, right? Like you never know who anyone is going to pick. You never know. But Mm -hmm. like that aside, (laughs) my best guesses were guys that could kind of fit like that in an OB fit in terms of just like size and just like positional versatility. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, as much research and and, um, preparation and, Again, this every draft is the culmination of years of grinding to take buses to watch, you know, NIT tournament games or, you know, Big Ten conference games. I have no idea how the NCAA tournament works or the system works. Um, you know, you can still get into a situation where, you know, a couple in 2015 or 2014, 2015, 2014, I think it's 2015. Um, Masai is just in that draft room. He's like, Bruno, Bruno. And everyone else is just like, uh, I don't know about that one, man. I mean, maybe, you know, we take one of these NBA players over here and they're like, uh, Bruno. And he's like, I'm going to go with Bruno guys. It's going to be a good one. Like, you know what I mean? Like all that guesswork. Yeah. yeah, There's like five minutes on the clock and you know, you might just have to say Bruno like five times and then magically you end up with the, the, the Bruno Caboclo experience, uh, which we will talk about after this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. But, um, yeah, so to, to your point, you made a, a list of six players that could potentially fit the Raptors at the 29th uh, pick. Um, first one, I think it's been talked about quite a bit in terms of actual prospects that the Raptors might look at. Uh, Xavier Tillman, why did you include Xavier in this list? Um, yeah, for those who don't know, he's six foot nine, small ball five from Michigan State. Um, I believe he's a senior or a junior, um, but a kind of an older rookie, quote unquote. But what, what do you like about Xavier? Yeah, he was one of two like kind of center centers that I thought, you know, as like as an example. And then the more that I was just watching clips of him, I mean, mm-hmm. the, <laughs> I wasn't traveling to watch him play. Um, but the more that I was watching the clips available to me, this is going to sound like a cop out, but he just like feels like a Raptor. I don't know. He just like I mean, that is also going to be the common denominator in a lot of these players. I think when it comes down to trying to differentiate a field of this many prospects you do some of it is gut work and like identity work and just like thinking about who would be a fit but like he I don't know he's like I feel like he's kind of explosive you say he's not that explosive but I feel like he is like a mix of like explosive and steady I think he could be a little bit more explosive if if needed um I don't know he just uh he's like a he just he was just like this big player that I think if they want to look at just size, like sheer size and capability, he's the pretty good get. Like he seems like a very solid option. 
yeah uh from, from you know from watching a, a 10 minute highlight clip of him he, he does seem like a guy who would fit and has a nice skill set i guess um mock drafts have him going i've seen one place have him going as late as like 43rd mm-hmm. which um again at, you know when you're at the 39th or when you're at the 29th pick you know you're, you're there's gonna be a huge range of players you're looking at um but xavier the raptors so apparently you know they were one of the first teams uh, to contact him and interview him uh during the draft process uh he was a really good defensive player i think you know he's really um He's really disciplined in how he plays defense, mm-hmm. especially for a younger guy. Maybe that's the fact that he's had some experience in college, uh, not as like one of these one and done guys. But, you know, he stays on his feet. Uh, he contests well. Um, you know, he gets a lot of blocks just from like good positioning. Like it kind of reminds me of, like the Tim Duncan blocks where like Tim Duncan used to block you because you were trying to post him up and then you went up for a move and Tim was just right there with his hand right up. And he, <laughs> Tim like probably has the most like non jumping blocks in, in NBA history. He just never jumped for the blocks, especially he later on in his career. Yeah. yeah, he's just like I'm Tim Duncan, man. What do you maybe pass I'm the right ball? Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Um uh, but yeah, Xavier kind of has a little bit of that in his game. You know, he can finish skill-wise, you know, like he honestly either hand, um, almost like prefers to go left, even though he's he's a righty, he's a little soft hook shot as well. Again, I've definitely watched extensive film on this guy and not just a short 10-minute clip. <laughs> But um, he, he just seems like a calm, like he just seems like a calm and sort of like steady presence too. like he like what you could say is unexplosive. I kind of think is like maybe unhurried, but I don't think it's in a way that he's not grasping what's going on around him. Oh, it's yeah. just sort of like the way he dishes things out. Um, you know, like he, as you said, like he's got a good knack for defensive playmaking, uh, which I think would bode well, like with playing with someone like Kyle Lowry, I think that could also help him improve immensely. So I did try and look at things like that, like where these guys' deficits were, who I'd be just like by being around certain Raptors players, could that, like, could those things improve, you know? And like, what could they kind of glean from them? And like, by going through the whole system, you know, like assuming he'd probably get shuttled to 905 and do some time there and then like come back and play for the Raptors. So I don't know. I just, he's got a good chill energy a kind of unflappability that i think the raptors could use and maybe we saw them not have so much of especially against boston yeah <laughs> playoffs i mean to your point I, I could definitely see a guy like xavier playing in a playoff game uh, by the end of his rookie season just because mm-hmm. he is experienced he can defend offensively he's going to add he's going to need to add more things to his game i think because he's not yeah. he's not really like an all-out kind of scorer type anyway. He's going to play on a lot of pick and roll. If he can get that pick and pop three down, I think that could really unlock a lot of things. Because I feel like the comp for him is like, I mean, the comp is always very generous. But the comp is like, if you think stylistically, kind of like an Al Horford type. You know, mm-hmm. a little bit smaller to play center. Uh, is not like super hurried. Al Horford, you know, as I've said many times, moves like a crab. And, you know, he's just, you know, not that quick and explosive. Maybe in his younger years, a little bit more explosive, you know, like when he injured uh, TJ Ford and broke his back, uh, mm-hmm. which I still have not forgiven him for like 15 years later. Right? I really loved TJ as a child. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Xavier's a solid pick. I think I'd be pretty happy. I think all Raptor fans would be pretty happy. Apparently he shot really well in three-point shooting drills. Um, but I, right. I, I, you know, who, who knows? That's yeah. That's, three-point shooting drills i've seen um, all the Raptors shoot very well uh in warm-ups mm-hmm. three-pointers and then you know when the game starts who knows 
that's what happens. Yeah, like Baby Nogueira used to hit like 10 threes yeah. in a row at half the, at halftime and then yeah. not play the rest of the game. So, <laughs> you know, take it for what it's worth. Um, another guy you mentioned, another center, uh, Jalen Smith, 6'10 center mm-hmm. out of Maryland. Very different player from Xavier Tillman. Mm-hmm. Uh, wildly athletic. Like when you watch him, it looks like he's like jumping off your phone. Like he just like he's it. jumping out of the screen. <laughs> like he's it's he's really strange um, to watch. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like he he's next level athletic I, in my opinion. Yeah, he's like a seemed kind of like a personality player to me too. Um, mm. I thought like that kind of splashiness. He's got like the athleticism that sort of matches that splashy personality, which I which I like. It's not just one or the other, you know. Mm-hmm. He's like he can shoot. He can shoot threes. Like he he seems to love to shoot. Yeah, he does love to shoot. He's not afraid to shoot. <laughs> shoot or yeah. shoot. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like he's he's small though. Like he's not as like a big. He's not like huge, like muscularly. Like his frame is is a bit narrower so i was like thinking you know against like bigs like even like you know someone as versatile as anthony davis or like even a player like bam who's more of like a stretch size i think you could get back down a little bit by so um whether that's like i don't really i get very uncomfortable when it's like this guy should put on weight or like this guy should bulk up because it's like it's their body you can Mm -hmm. do whatever you want with it but that said um i guess that could be a drawback for him but I also think like in some of the kind of like speed moves he can make, he's got a pretty good knack for shot blocking and rebounding. So I think like he can make up for that in a lot of other ways. Yeah. It's also become really weird to me because I've been looking up these players and they're all around the same age as my little brother who's 10 years younger than me. And I'm like, why am I going to speculate as like, I would never talk about my brother. Like, Oh, you know, he's got a, uh, a bit of a twig, light in the hips, you know, muscular, yeah. but it doesn't think it gets them anywhere. Thin waist, like that's just weird to to, to say it's that about anybody weird. outside so of a draft weird. context. And even yeah. in a draft context, it's so strange. Yeah, when you take that context away and you realize how strange it sounds, it's yeah. a pretty good indicator that like it's just straight up strange to talk about anyone that way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but anyway, uh, so <laughs> these 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 but we have to these skinny teenagers. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, <laughs> So <laughs> with Jalen Smith, so he's got like, he's really athletic. He's really fluid too for a guy mm-hmm. who's that big. Mm-hmm. Like he runs and, you know, you know how bigs run and move very differently than all other humans on earth. Um, Jalen Smith very much just runs and moves like uh, as a fluid seven footer. Like he's, yeah. I don't want to say like, like Giannis, there's no way he's going to be as good as Giannis or very, very unlikely that he'll be as good as Giannis. I just mean like that kind of fluidity for a guy that big. So it, it honestly pops off the page when you, when you watch him, but um, the shooting is also kind of interesting because he, he did a lot of like catching and shooting on the move. Like they'll run like screen action for him and he'll mm-hmm. just come off a screen and shoot like a shooting guard. So it, Giannis reminded me like maybe like a Chris Tapps type of, player again there's a lot of things that got to go into that to to or you know even like Serge Ibaka is another cop that's popular for him mm-hmm. there's a lot of work that has to go into becoming um you know an established pro like those guys but he's interesting too he's interesting too um definitely very very athletic um and moving away from the centers you have Desmond Bain on here first off Desmond Bain elite name you know it is an elite name it's like, a, he's like um crazy like I, I really just became like fascinated by him the more I, I researched and like watched tape 
on him just because one, I, and also because of like everything I'm about to say, he really does strike me as a Raptor style player. Like so much like a Van Vliet, you know, mm-hmm. just like so much of like, he understands what his like deficits are, whether they're like physical or their thing, their skills that he needs to work on in the game, but he just like strives so strongly against them or in some weird way uses them to his advantage. Like he's, he's not big. He's very small. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a negative wingspan. <laughs> Which, he's, he's extremely never heard fast. that phrase until I read your piece. And then I, <laughs> I realized that everyone's been saying Desmond Bain is negative wingspan, which I just imagine him like a it's chicken. It's mean. <laughs> it's like <laughs> a T-Rex. Someone, yeah, with stubby, very stubby arms. Uh-huh. And like, I've never measured, my, maybe I have a negative wingspan. I don't know. It's not yeah. something you think about when you think about your own arms <laughs> or like that it really matters to your center of gravity. But anyway, like you're not really gonna hit he, he. Oh, well, I guess he's pretty, he's six, six. I'm like, he's short. He's not short. Oh, he's, he, he's tall. He's, 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 he's up perfectly around the wind. fine. Yeah. The yeah. negative wingspan really threw me for a second. I, I don't negative wingspan sounds like he can't tie a shoelace without sitting down. Like the, 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 you know? <laughs> if he loses a shoe during the middle of the match, you're going to have to call timeout to get him to put that shoe back on. Like, I think, I think that the, I think the expectation is that like, okay, he's not maybe going to be like the most proficient blocker or he can't really get up around the rim, but he actually can because of his size and his speed. So again, I think there's like a different kind of versatility to what like he could offer. Like he he's pulled off like almost every shot. Like he doesn't ever make anything look easy also. Like he does these kind of pop shots from outside where he's coming flying down the court. He's like, past the baseline and then shooting backwards somehow and just like sinks in so easily like he's kind of a marvel to just like watch he's one of those players where you're just like i don't know how this works but it is working uh and you look incredible yeah um because when you watch the highlight tape of this guy which is all i have watched um it's just the type of shots that he's making and hitting and even deciding to shoot is pretty amazing like comfortably 30 feet shots and at the college level the three-point shot the three-point line is even closer um than as compared to like the nba for example and so it looks even more jarring that he's like on the logo and he's like yeah, i'll shoot this and it's like a guy will contest him and he doesn't really jump too much for his shot so he's mm-hmm. not like as nick nurse would say vaulting up right as now after reading nick nurse's book i understand he was a pole vaulter as a kid so he, that's why that's why he loves the vaulting up term <laughs> Him just vaulting up in Iowa to 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 whittle away the days with his like mm-hmm. ten siblings in in the cornfield, um, <laughs> so he doesn't really vault up. He's really like kind of like a flat footed kind of shooter. But mm-hmm. and again, as you mentioned, he has negative wingspan, so he's not like shooting over the top like Kevin Durant. But he's just making every shot. Like when you watch the highlight tape, it's not just he's making these shots. The rim doesn't move. The net doesn't move. Like it's it's those kinds of makes. Like they're all like you know all points are you know worth equal but like it's we're not talking about Kawhi Leonard four bounces on the rim kind of makes like these are just like they don't touch the rim it's crazy mm-hmm. um and he, yeah the, the shooting is there too and of course if you can shoot then it opens up the rest of your game you know he can pass a little bit you can operate a little bit pick and roll uh he's comfortable with the pull-up three as well he's just a really really great shooter honestly like I don't really I couldn't really find a good like comp for him I, I kind of reminds me of like what old Eric Gordon is you know mm-hmm. like yeah, maybe. Kind of like, but... it's not super athletic. Yeah, mm-hmm. Eric Gordon used to be very athletic, no longer is anymore. Uh, but like, just shoots the three really well. Although mm-hmm. he's kind of hot hit or miss. Uh, but kind of that same kind of body, a little bit stocky. 
as well. I guess like the thing with a player like Bane is if you want to use that Gordon comp too, is like someone like Bane, who's obviously like this kind of combustive engine that he has. And like, especially like in his offensive play, like plays, can that last, you know, is that something that's going to taper off like the longer he is in the league or is he going to be able to figure out other ways to kind of like fine tune that? Um, because I think that's what happened with Eric Gordon where it's like, you know, he naturally is going to slow down, but then what do you have? What do you have left after that? Yeah, that's true. And luckily with Desmond, he doesn't have that much athleticism to begin with. <laughs> Which is actually probably why everything he does doesn't look easy. So, but I kind of enjoy that, but maybe if he could make his life easier, um, that could help too. Yeah. For sure, but I, I like how I like how hard he plays too. He's got a, he's yeah. got a personality. <laughs> um, he's a he's a competitor as well. Again, mm-hmm. you know, I've only watched ten minutes of this guy, and there are very very selected clips. Um, the other three players you mentioned, we can run through them a little bit quickly. Um, Jalen yeah. McDaniel's, Isaiah Joe, Sadiq Bay is out of the three, pretty different players. All three, but is there one that maybe stands out to you between the three of them? Yeah, Sadiq Bey, I think, is, like, for me, the very aspirational pick. He, also, because mm. he keeps trending up, like, on every list that I've seen. Like, he started kind of lower, sort of within the Raptors realm, and he's just gone up and up and up. But just, like, he really – he kind of seems like the full package in, as far as you want to claim that for a draft pick. Um, you know, he's just, like – he's got the length and the size to be – to kind of, like, slip between the three and the four. You know, his rebounding is, like – very just like very solid like I think it's like 4.7 per game um he could be pretty good regardless of like whether he's not like you know up there like with Laka or like cleaning the glass he could have he could kind of like be there in other ways mm-hmm. I really like that his coaches well one also he's from Villanova which I feel like yeah. just has like a very good track record with any basketball but definitely with the Raptors and that his coaches there were just basically like playing him in every position just mm-hmm. because they wanted to see, they thought he could handle it and they wanted to see what he would do with it and that he just kind of excelled uh, wherever they put him. So I think that sort of like positional, positionally fluid player, like out of a, out of Lowry's like alma mater, I think to me, I don't know, he just like seems to have that spark or maybe that it factor, which mm-hmm. again is like super fleeting. I, we're talking about literally like teenagers. Yeah, it's uh, weird. I know. I know. Yeah. But I think like, oh, and another thing is that because he wasn't that big, I guess we're going to talk about gross like physicalities again, but he wasn't really that big uh, in his year, but he like doubled up in size in a sophomore, like from junior, I mean, from freshman to sophomore year. Um, and all, all his like stats went through the roof too, like from everywhere from shooting to rebounding. So I don't know. I feel like he's on a really strong track for improvement. Should he continue to trend in that direction? Yeah. But I think he'll go before the Raptors get him. Well, I, I hope not, because I, I think out of the list, um, he's probably the guy I'd feel the happiest about because yeah, I think he already immediately six foot eight, six ten with a wingspan. Mm-hmm. He's a good athlete, really, really loves playing defense, you know, plays really multi-position, very active and engaged. Um, and I think Villanova has just done a really good job of preparing players for the NBA. I mean, Villanova year after year is producing NBA players now. It's a mm-hmm. direct pipeline. 
Um, and also, I just think the way they play, the way uh, Jay Wright likes to play, like it, it's a very NBA type system. Like there's a lot of switching. There's a lot of multi-positional. We're going to play three guards. Kyle Lowry used to be, I mean, this is like way back in the day, but Kyle Lowry used to be in a three point guard backcourt. And of course, Kyle being Kyle, he made it work. But like, you know, that's just something that's always been kind of a signature thing at Villanova. They like to have mm-hmm. a lot of these small ball centers. And I wouldn't say Sadiq Bey is a center. I would say he's more like a six, eight, kind of like a Jay Crowder type. Yeah, but yeah. you know he's shooting the three really well this year, uh, at what forty five percent on five point six attempts per game, uh, because it kind of can do a little bit of everything. Like I feel like it, again, if you if the Raptors can get someone like Sadiq Bay at the twenty ninth pick, I'd be pretty thrilled with that. But um, honestly, again, as I told you, you know when I watched you know tape of these six players you mentioned. I was pretty impressed with all of them. I don't know. Is there something about highlight packs that makes them look great? I mean, maybe I can watch like a Bruno Caboclo highlight pack and be like, wow, that guy is, that guy is Giannis, you know? So who knows? It's just like, yeah, I like, I like this part of the draft, but I also hate it because it makes me feel incredibly like attached to every one of these players. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I just really want, like, I just want the best for them. I want them all to land on a team. Um, to do very well, to live up to their, to the hype, as well as their own personal pr- potential, which I know is not possible, but I think the draft uh, can be heartbreaking in that way too. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. What were you doing when you were 20? Not thinking about my negative wingspan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyone, anyone critique you for having a negative wingspan? Yeah, probably not. No, I don't think so. What was I doing? I was in... I was getting ready to go to university because I took two years off and then I decided to go and then I moved to Halifax for fun. For what reason? Why? Why do you do anything when you're 20? Unless you're in the draft, then I guess you've got a pretty clear idea of what you're working towards. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, definitely was not doing too much at 20. Definitely wasn't, uh, you know, adding a three-pointer to my game or anything like that. But uh, no, I was like, I don't need to change anything about myself. Like, this is me for the rest of my life. A lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was more the opposite. I was more like, we got to get better in this, got to do better in this, <laughs> and make all these life skills. I have like notebooks full of like self improvement kind of things. And then I was just mostly unhappy in general in life. Oh. But, you know, now I cover the Raptors and, and I'm substantially happier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anyway, uh, to finish the episode. Look at us now. <laughs> Look at us now, exactly. Um, Have we lived up to our draft potential? We'll never know. <laughs> you know, I, I'm pretty happy. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. As long as you I stick around you. and you find a place <laughs> for all these players, like, you know, you know, you know, Xavier Tillman doesn't have to become Al Horford or Jalen Smith doesn't have to become like Serge. Desmond Bain doesn't no. have to become like Eric Gordon or anything like that. Like, just, you know, just find your place in the league. And I think well, most of these guys will be happy. Yeah, figure out their own place. Exactly. Um, to, to end the pod, I want to do this quick thing where we will go through the best and worst picks of Raptors history. Um, let's start with the best ones because I'd like to be more popular uh, or, and, or more positive with this. So there's two ways to look at best. You can look at just like straight up the best players that have like the Raptors have ever drafted. Um, and that's one way to look at it. And again, I think, you know, there's a lot of picks to choose from. David Sotomayor was rookie of the year. DeMar DeRozan, franchise leader in scoring. Chris Bosh, you know, franchise top five in pretty much every category except for assists. Vince Carter is is Vince. And even Pascal, 27, is, is fantastic. Um, but I honestly feel like 
when we're talking about best draft picks, I, I feel like it's like about value instead of necessarily who the best players were that they got. So, um, yeah, I think honestly, weirdly enough, most of them are on the Raptors right now. Um, but I mean, let me see. Let, let me see first off if you agree with this list I have. So Pascal Siakam is the best value pick the Raptors have ever made. Twenty seventh pick in twenty seventeen. He's already All NBA. He's on a multi year deal now. He's won a championship for the Raptors as the second leading scorer. I I don't know. Does it get any better than that, value wise? I mean, we'll see. But thus far, I think to your point. He is the best value player they've ever picked. I think like it also speaks to what they're trying to emulate in this year's draft, you know, like knowing that they pulled somebody like Pascal from that middle of the pack where, where to be fair, it's like once you kind of lose all the like projected bests of like the top 10 or like top 20 players, you almost, there's almost like this relaxation where it's like the field is very big. There's still a lot of talent left. It's just like, that's when it's, that when it behooves you to have like done extensive homework, which obviously is something that they, they figure us out. Mm-hmm. It's always a little bit of luck, you know, but yeah, I think like for what we've seen from him thus far and like where I think like his career is going to go, it's absolutely Pascal. Yeah. Um, second, I don't really know where to put Fred, but like, cause he went on drafted. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if we think about Fred VanVleet as essentially the 61st pick, um, Again, sensational value. I, I, you know, a lot of these guys on the list. So Fred, OG, um, mm-hmm. are my two and three in terms of best value draft picks in Raptors history. Uh, Fred being undrafted, uh, you know, now being a major free agent uh, again contributed to the championship. And then OG, twenty third pick, twenty seventeen, is a starter now. He's still twenty two years old. Um, he's obviously a guy who's developed into one of the best defenders in the NBA. I can't argue with that. I think OG has been phenomenal uh, on in that. Um, one guy I wanted on the list was Mo Pete, who went 21st overall in 2000. Um, one of, I think, the first fan favorite Raptors players because he was so likable. And he played in the Raptors for, like, you know, forever, essentially. So mm-hmm. um, I had Mo Pete on my list. What are some of your favorite Mo Pete memories? I can't think of any right now. <laughs> Oh, just what? What about what about the time when um when uh Michael Ruffin blanked and he threw the ball up in midcourt and to think to to waste the, t- the rest of the time in, in the shot clock and uh Mopi hit that buzzer beating three. That was that was like the highlight of an entire season, to be honest. I think it was just like he had a really interesting and like very distinct energy, which is why I think he ended up being such a fan favorite. Hmm. But like. I don't know. The Raptors didn't really like have that much. And also at that point, everybody just wanted to put their faith in like another, another player that like he was going to be the guy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you know what? I don't think he was ever going to be the guy, quote unquote. Yeah. Like, he just never had the kind of um, all due respect, like the type of talent to do that. But no. at the same time, he was pretty productive. Like, a decent starting caliber player for a team that wasn't really going to challenge for the playoffs. Um, and, you know, shot the three decently, had a little bit of athleticism, a little bit of playmaking, a very likable guy. Another favorite Mo Pete memory was, remember when Vince came back to Toronto as a member of the Nets and he was like play fighting with, with Mo Pete, just kind of like 
slapping each other in the face, but like in a friendly way, like a friendly slap in the face, you know, you, you know, those friendly, friendly slaps in the face. In the face. Yeah, um, yeah. And, <laughs> and then the referee didn't catch Vince's first one and, and caught Mo Pete's, uh, you know, retaliation or answer. And Mo Pete got ejected from the game and he was so, he was so, uh, he was so upset, but. Um, Rightly so, man. Come on. Yeah. Come on. It's just come Insult on. Was... Injury. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's already bad enough that the Raptors traded, you know, Vince Carter for nothing. And, uh, you know, you don't have to kick out Mo Pete for that. But Him uh, and Bosch were a very special pair, too. Just like the two mm. of them kind of side by side. Yeah, just, just two two lefties being weird. <laughs> um, if I had a recommendation, I would say go to the Hooters at uh, – <laughs> go to the Hooters on Adelaide. It's only one Hooters downtown. <laughs> like, well, well uh, you know, I just assumed that Hooters was so good that there would be some. Not really places. thriving in Canada, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, anyway, I, I really wouldn't recommend Hooters unless it's Wings Night or anything like Right now, just don't go to Hooters. But if you did go to the yeah. Hooters on Adelaide and you walk into the door and you look in the left, I don't know why it's just so specific. I've only been there once as, as a group function. Uh, but if you look on the left, on the wall, there's a picture of Mo Pete who went there with Jalen Rose back in like 2004 and it's such a time capsule and it was, it was, uh, it was great. So if, if you want to see a picture of Mo Pete at, at Hooters, go to Hooters. It clearly stuck in your brain. So yeah, I, I decided <laughs> to take a picture of it, honestly, but I mean, it's, it's really funny to see random uh, Raptors make appearances all the way downtown. Like there's like a dim sum spot downtown, dim sum King that has like tons of pictures with Yaka Pertle. seems like he loved dim sum apparently. Was it um, close to apartment? Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Um, also, pretty much every NBA player goes to Pi downtown. The uh, yes, um, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, there's a whole wall with like literally like you know yeah. thirty <laughs> NBA players at least. So. I know. Um. Anyway, back to the drafts. Yeah, to, to round out the list, I have Norma Powell, 46th pick, 2015. Obviously, fantastic. PJ Tucker, 35th pick, 2007. I always forget that that the Raptors drafted PJ. Yeah. I wish well, he still played for the rap. Well, you know, they sent him down to the G League or the D League at the time, which was essentially just like get off our team because nobody went out to the D League <laughs> and came back back in 2007. No. But, uh, yeah, because PJ then had to play in like Ukraine and all these other places. And then he came back to the NBA and the Raptors traded for him and wanted to re-sign him. And PJ was like, I'm good. I'm going to Houston, which yeah, which is, yeah. When you trace his like path as you just did, uh, and and considering what they did to him, then I feel like that's a good comeuppance. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the last one I want to add here was just Terrence Ross because mm-hmm. not necessarily because he was a great pick at number eight. Uh, although he was fine for that that value, he got traded for Surge. Uh, but he gave us the "What about the Rosen" video, which. Uh, <laughs> If we're talking about just entertainment, period, you know, I'm happy that Terrence Rouse was picked instead of uh, Andre Drummond or Austin Austin Rivers or whoever um, my guy Courtney wanted to take. So <laughs> great video. I, I love tracking that guy down too. He's he's a really good guy. I believe he's now a lawyer. So, but he's probably still perplexed about Terrence Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, let's move on to the uh, the worst picks Raptors have ever made in franchise history. I feel like this one's a lot more fun. I had Andre, <laughs> had Andre Barnani first overall 2006 as my worst overall pick. I didn't even do any research into this because oh, I was convinced 
Are you mm-hmm. in agreement with me that Andrea was the worst pick in Raptors history? Yes, because the fallout was such a curse for yes. so many years to come. I feel like I you would be hard pressed to you would be hard pressed to look at another franchise where they like botched a first pick so badly uh, that it had such almost like a generational effect on the team as this one. So yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, it's Bargnani. I think the worst thing is the Raptors kept re-signing him, and that mm-hmm. kind of prolonged um, how much he was on the team, which I didn't enjoy. And you know, and there was obviously a time where everyone was thrilled about Bargnani. Um, they saw the skills and again, seven footer with, uh, you know, passable three point range. You could put it on the floor a little bit. People were, I think this is close to the time Dirk won MVP, just took the match to the finals. You're like, all right, you know, the next Dirk, clearly they're both from the country of Europe and, uh, you know, all this <laughs> stuff, but it just didn't make sense. It wasn't a great draft. Like, um, I think the best player to come out of this draft was, Either LaMarcus Aldridge, if you kind of value longevity, or Kyle Lowry, mm-hmm. if you value, you know, winning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> you know, in retrospect, maybe Kyle Lowry first overall pick would have been pretty great here, but it obviously wasn't going to happen. It was just a bad draft um, on the whole, but Andrea just it was just not it. And again, you know, they the only good thing to really come out of Andrea's tenure was, uh, well, two things, actually. One, obviously, the fact that he got traded for... Uh, Yaka Pertle, who eventually got traded for Kawhi, which is mm-hmm. very, very beautiful that Andrea indirectly led to Kawhi. Um, mm-hmm. And then, two, if you remember back in the Rookie of the Year race that year, 2007, Brandon Roy was clearly the best rookie in this draft. It was not close. He was really contributing. He was a really great player. And every single person voted for Brandon Roy for Rookie of the Year with the Portland Trailblazers, except for our very own Chuck Swirsky in Toronto, who voted Andrea Barnani. <laughs> Rookie of the year. Um, and Andrea, I think he averaged like nine points or something like that. But yeah. What did he have on everybody? Either he had something on everybody or this is like the collective power of denial at work, you know, and just not being able to be like, all right, we really messed this one up. We're just going to cut our losses. But instead being like, we're going to re-up and invest year after year. This mm-hmm. is going to work out for us. I just, I I don't understand. And the fact that he still had trade value after all this was pretty amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. Genuinely one of the worst (laughs) defensive big men I've ever seen. Um, I mean, I used to rag on like JV, you know, that's like slow footed stuff like that. Andrea just like had no idea where to go. And it it was, it was awful. Genuinely awful. Um, And to think of the thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. uh, No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say that the only thing, and I don't even mean this as a positive towards Andrea Bargnani, but like, this is more proof to me of like the coveted first pick in the draft is like how rarely these work out, you know, like the guys who you see staying, they're usually, you know, maybe they're in top five, more likely top 10, but more likely they're like middle of the pack, you know? And like, those are the guys that become NBA superstars. Um, The first, I feel like it's very cursed to go cursed to go first in some ways. It, it, there's so much pressure and everyone remembers the guys who are first overall and, and don't pan out. But um, as you mentioned, the, the draft is a crapshoot and Andrea is an example of that. Okay. So second on this list, maybe a strange submission, but Marcus Canby second overall in 1996. Um, it wasn't anything against Marcus Canby who actually did decently as in two years with the Raptors. I think he led the, the, the NBA in blocks in his second year, but um, the Raptors traded him for Charles Oakley, who obviously was way older, 
but he did help the Raptors make the playoffs twice. So that's cool. Um, but the reason he's up here is because if you look at the rest of this draft, there was this turned out to be uh, a phenomenal draft class. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, AI went first overall, then Camby second to the Raptors. But then you have Ray Allen afterwards at five, Kobe at 13, Pages Strakovic 14, Stephen Ash 15, Jermaine O'Neal 17. Plenty of good players after this. And of course, it's easier in hindsight to say, oh, yeah, the Raptors should have just drafted, you know, any of these other guys uh, who were, you know, better players than Marcus Camby. But yeah, I mean, he's up here just because. I mean, how different would the Raptors have been if they decided, okay, you know what, we're taking Steve Nash second overall, uh, and the Raptors had Steve Nash running the show for, you know, essentially instead of the seven seconds or less Suns, it would have been Steve Nash running pick and pops with uh, Chris Bosh. That would have been really fun to watch. Hypothetically, do you think it would be embarrassing for a team who had the first pick to pick, like, someone who was projected at, like, 27? 100%. Do you think there's some yeah. pressure there? Even if that player then goes on to be like the best, the best player in that draft year, I feel like just a, this is just a hypothetical exercise. But they would probably be shame. Yeah, the team would. I, I think that's how the the Suns kind of looked at Luke, um, DeAndre Ayton. Not that necessarily he was bad, but just like they're mm-hmm. like, no, he has to be the number one pick. And it was like not not necessarily. There's there's some pretty good players in that draft. You know, you could have taken Luca for example, but. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, and of course, the Raptors are real disorganized at the time. I'm sure a lot of players were trying to angle their way out of Toronto. They had no history, literally none. Um, they had were an expansion franchise, essentially. You know, playing in Canada was a way bigger deal back then than it is now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but I mean, again, when you look back at it, even if you got like Ray Allen or anything like that, or even Paige Stojakovic, like it just would have worked out a lot better. But uh, Marcus Camby, second overall. All right, number three on the list. I have Hafa Arugio, eighth overall in 2004. Wasn't a great draft, 2004 draft, but really what I lament is the fact that Andre Godala went ninth right after Hafa Arugio. Um, there's some other guys that, you know, Al Jefferson, J.R. Smith, Stromal Swift, Jameer Nelson, you know, whatever. Those guys are fine. Um, but, yeah, Iggy was was a big miss. And also just Hoffa, like, was not good. Where did he even play? Where where did where did the Raptors were like? You know what? Hafa Ruggio has to be the guy here. I I just I didn't understand. He you know who had negative wingspan? This Hafa Ruggio had negative wingspan. I I just remember his arms being so short. I don't know why he missed a lot of layups stuff like that. I don't get it. I think it's just like another, it's more proof to what we're saying, right? It's like when you've, you've got the class like stacked up as it is and like guys are projected to go and they go, you can't deviate. Or like, I don't know why it is so hard to deviate, but it seems like there's immense pressure not to deviate. So then mm. you've got, you go for the Arugias of the world. Yeah. Um, also, they drafted him out of BYU, which is, I don't, I mean, it's not strange necessarily. It's just not a lot of players have come out of BYU. Um, him and Jimmy Fredette essentially. And he flamed out of the NBA by 2007. He was already playing in St. Petersburg in 2007. He was drafted in 2004. Very, very quick. I also didn't know this, but he tested positive for steroids and was given a 24 month suspension from international play during the 2002 world championships. Um, yeah. Not great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. He also apparently, was suspended for elbowing Andrew Bogut in the head during a, a tournament. All right. Well, anyway, in any case, I don't know why the Raptors needed to take him there. Eighth overall, very, very limited return. Um, 
number four on the list, Joey Graham, 16th pick, 2005. Again, pretty weak drafts. They could have taken Danny Granger, I guess, at 17. Danny was a pretty good shooter, you know, and then, but I, I just, I don't know. I just remember a lot of people getting very hype about Joey Graham, and he just was never good as a basketball player at the NBA level, which is, which is, um, a shame. And he played for the Raptors for quite a while too, which is, uh, again, a reflection of how dark times used to be. Do you have any favorite, uh, Joey Graham memories? Just that his name is Joey and how rare that is in the NBA. <laughs> um, but no, otherwise <laughs> fairly non-memorable. Yeah. Sorry, JG. <laughs> I, I don't even know if anyone called him JG before, before this, but, uh, no, I mean, he was like, I, I, he just looked athletic, I guess. But wasn't very good. Couldn't shoot. Couldn't really dribble. But looking at him now, he is not what I would consider. You know what I mean? It's like it also shows like what our ideas of like athleticism are and like how they change yeah. in terms of like trends in the league. And like because now you look at him, you're like he's wide, big shoulders. But like I don't know if I would consider. I don't know different kind of athleticism. I guess here we are talking about bodies again. Ooh. Yeah. No, he he would have maybe been better as a small ball four, but just mm-hmm. skill-wise wasn't great. It's just weird because 2005 draft, the Raptors actually had a lot of players from that draft historically. So you got Jared Jack, who went 22nd, Antoine Wright at 15, Linus Klaza at 27, Lou Williams at 45, Amir Johnson at 56. Peter, and the and greatest of this draft. A hundred percent, definitely. Amir Johnson, <laughs> uh, he, you know, he honestly, if the Raptors had picked him at 56, that would have been one of the Raptors' best value picks because Amir was great for the Raps. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then Uro Slokar at 58. And so, you know, uh, the Raptors just loved this 2005 draft that had very few players <laughs> in it outside of Chris, uh, Chris Paul and Darren Williams. <laughs> um, yeah, Joey Graham. And then the last one I have on the list is Bruno Caboclo, 20th pick, mm-hmm. 2015. Apparently the Raptors were after Tyler Ennis, who, you know, seems to have actually done pretty well at the G League level this year with the 905. So the Raptors got their man eventually, but... Um, that seems to be a trend, right? Eventually, they'll get the one they want. They'll get it right. I, I can't wait to get Giannis uh, <laughs> at the age of 36. I feel like that, that that would fit the timeline for sure. Play a long game. Yeah. But no, I mean, Bruno was, you know, Masai just, I mean, they, they, they I guess Tyler Ennis was taken right before them. They wanted to go for Tyler. They had to make a decision. They liked Bruno, but they wanted to take him in the second round. Uh, but they were worried that someone might have scooped them on Bruno, which is possible, I guess. But they just decided to go for Bruno. And I think really, in looking back, Masai just really wanted Giannis and drafted the player whose um, you know, frame looked the most like Giannis. And he was like, yeah, Bruno, there you go. And he was just, I don't know. I mean, I guess he's still in the NBA kind of, so good for him, but he's, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. He's just, he's always waiting for his shot. You know, he's always waiting for his year. Always. He had like a decent half year in Memphis last year, I feel like, but then didn't get picked up really. And yeah, I, I don't really know. Um, I don't really think he has the skill set necessarily, but uh I always wish for the best for Bruno. I mean, I know get, Memphis he, fans really like him. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, makes me feel better. He he does seem like a lovable dude. Like he seems, mm-hmm. I remember his, his, his debut obviously was like one of the most hype moments in Raptors history, quite honestly, a 50 point win over the uh, 
Milwaukee Bucks in 2015 over Giannis himself, actually. Bruno was in that game. Uh, but he came in, he had the alley-oop for his first points. Incredible. Hit some threes. People were going crazy for Bruno. And I kind of just enjoyed it. I mean, as a 15th man, Bruno brought a lot of entertainment, way more than a regular 15th man. So you can't really say that was that bad of a pick. He gave us a lot. It just wasn't on court. It wasn't what they wanted in a basketball sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely not. Um, and then, you know, I, I had an honorary one here. So JV at five, the fifth over, overall pick JV at, at, at 50 uh, in 2011. It's not a bad pick because JV was fantastic as a player and was like very productive, probably the best center in Raptors history. It's really just like who else was in the draft because Kemba was there at eight, Clay was at 11, Kawhi was at 14, and even Jimmy Butler at 30. Of course, at that time, you know, these guys weren't necessarily seen as like, oh yeah, these guys are all going to become perennial superstars and, and, and all, all NBA, multiple time all stars. But um, mm-hmm. it is just a little bit of a shame because, wow, that, that, is, that is a lot of wing talent. The Raptors could have had, but I, you know, I'm I'm happy with getting what the Raptors got from Jonas. He was, yeah. He was, this is a very great pick. Again, this was like a longevity pick. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he gave the team so much. Um, he was just like he was kind of just like exactly. It's maybe not what we wanted aspirated, but it was exactly what they needed in that kind of developmental period. You know, he got us to where he got us as far as he could, and then they replaced him um, <laughs> with someone who could step in and kind of take it the rest of the way there. And that said, mm-hmm. I also really like, I really like him in Memphis. Now he gets to like be a different version of himself for a team that like needs almost the exact same thing. He kind of brought to the Raptors. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it was interesting with JV too, just because I, I feel like um, there was a way to use JV that was always in debate. And it was always like, okay, you know, you could feature him a little bit more. You give him touches here and there play differently. If DeMar wasn't shooting so much, maybe JV could have done all this. And that led to a lot of infighting. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like, I think now that essentially no one really disagrees too much with how JV is used in Memphis mostly as a pick and roll guy, he's so efficient and productive in his limited time that he plays probably like 22, 23 minutes a game, but he just maximizes that time. It's actually really fun to watch him at Memphis now. So I'm, um, yeah, I mean, Jamie doesn't deserve, it doesn't, it, it doesn't belong on this list, quite honestly. Like all these other guys, Andrea, you know, Canby, Arujo, Joey Graham, Bruno Caboclo, like Jamie's way better than all these guys, but, um, or maybe not Marcus Canby, but. He should be on his own list. Sorry, he should I be on his own this list. was the worst list. Yeah, he should just be on a on an on honorary list. Well, he's he's weirdly simultaneously one of the most one of the best players the Raptors have t- uh, taken in terms of just how much production they've gotten out of that pick, but also kind of a guy you're mm-hmm. just kind of looking like, man, it could have been Kemba, it could have been Clay, it could have been Kawhi, it could have been Butler, but you know you can't you can't argue with it. The Raptors have a championship now, so and they had Kawhi afterwards anyway. Yeah, it's true. They again, they got their man in the end. There you go. There you go. So, um, Katie, thank you for coming on the podcast and being so generous with your time. Um, what what are you working on right now? What should we, what should we be looking out for um, on your end? Um, well, you could go back and read this draft story that I wrote for Complex because I feel like it got buried uh, in the presidential elections last week, which 
to be fair, buried everything, buried the world. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So you can take a look at that if you want a refresher as we get, because the draft is next week, which feels very wild to me. But Mm -hmm. if you want a refresher, just watch some good inspirational tape. Um, Not think too much about negative wingspans. We could read that. It's a it's a very good piece because it's it's almost two pieces in one, you know? You're getting mm-hmm. your here's some players that you can look for. And honestly, I, I was very intrigued by all six of the prospects that you mentioned. Um at the same time, you know, as always, you wrote very eloquently and with a lot of thought and you you laid out just how strange this current situation is with the Raptors and the NBA conducting a draft during a pandemic. So it's a great piece. Dishes and dimes. Listen to dishes and dimes and yeah. Katie, thanks for coming on. Yeah, that's it. All right. Thank Um, you. (laughs) You're welcome. And uh, yeah, listeners, I'll be back uh, with another episode later this week. So look out for that. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.